Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Strategy Game Podcast. I've got special guest Mike Brown here today and so honored to have you, Mike, with us. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you come from. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, so I am uh, currently a investor and business coach, and I can kind of give you my story to how I got to that point. Uh, I grew up in Midland, Texas, which is uh, kind of the oil and gas capital of, of the U.S., and that, that becomes important later. Um, but I grew up and I always knew two things. I wanted to be in the Navy and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I uh, went to the Naval Academy for, for college and graduated in 2003 and then uh, went on to flight school and ended up flying F-18s for the Navy. Uh, and I spent 10 years doing that and it was just an incredible way to spend your 20s. Um, I served a combat tour in, uh, Iraq in 2007, 2008, aboard the USS Truman, flying uh, missions from the carrier, uh, 75 combat missions. And then uh, in 2009, moved to San Diego and uh, spent my next tour teaching Marines and SEALs how to call in airstrikes. I got out in 2011 and uh, moved back to my hometown. I had a mentor growing up that told me that it was the best time in the history of the oil business to be in the oil business. And uh, I went to work for him for a couple years and uh, founded my own firm in 2013. And my, my mentor was right. It was the best time in the history of the oil business to be in the oil business. Mm -hmm. And what we were doing was, uh, <clears throat> I founded it with my business partner who uh, was also a guy I flew with in Iraq. And we would, uh, we would go back to the ship at night after, after a long mission and, and pour a tall glass of whiskey, which is super illegal on the boat, and, uh, and talk about how, how well we worked together in combat and how we should start a company someday. So fast forward to 2013, that's exactly what we did. And, and basically, we were buying up uh, properties that, uh, <coughs> mineral properties and package them up and sell them to private equity-backed firms. And so we did that from 2013 and then uh, exited that company in 2019. And uh, you know, like I said, it was, a, it was a really great time to be in that space and a rising tide lifts all boats and, and uh, that ended up being a pretty big win for us. Yeah. And then uh, kind of uh, you know, during that time, I also started angel investing in 2014 and started mentoring uh, the companies that we invested in and started uh, you know, basically uh, having other, other startups come to me and, and ask for advice based on those recommendations. And I enjoyed doing that so much that uh, kind of after you know, a, a year and a half of, or so of, of kind of uh, just doing that on the side or for free, I realized that, hey, maybe this is something that I could really make a, a, a run out as a career. And so launched my coaching business about a year ago. And, uh, yeah, that kind of brings us up to speed. I love that. Do you think, this is a random question, but it came to me, do you think if you hadn't grown up in Texas, there might've been a chance that you wouldn't have launched that company? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, people, people talk about, about privilege a lot and uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of that in anybody's story. I mean, a massive privilege for me was growing up where I grew up. This is a, a super niche uh, industry within an industry. 
And it's definitely not something I would have known about without, you know, virtue of, of having this family friend, um, you know, that kind of told me about it. So, you know, that is a very much right place, right time scenario. The other side of privilege, though, is what we do with that privilege. And, you know, a lot of times what people do is discount the good decisions that are made on the backside of that opportunity, right? We all have opportunities in life. And, you know, unfortunately, everyone's opportunities, you know, are different, right? And, and yes, I mean, if I was growing up in the inner city of Chicago, this is not an opportunity that would have presented itself. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that grew up in the same place I did that, you know, uh, maybe didn't get that opportunity or, or make the same decisions that I did once presented with that door. So, you know, I think that we have to recognize the privilege that we grew up with, but at the same time, also give ourselves credit for good decisions that we made along the way. Absolutely. I love that answer. That's so great. Oh, thank you for sharing that because I think that's so true. Now, tell me about how it was possible to have that quick of a turnaround because, you know, we've been working with a lot of startups, right, for over the, you know, over a decade um, with our family office. And typically the turnaround is not that quick. So, what made that happen? I'm sure it was in large part due to, you know, um, you and your operations, but also like what was happening there? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, like I said, you know, it's, it, it is a lot about timing and it was an incredible time to be in this space. I mean, around, around that 2011 time was really when this, this boom uh, started uh, taking off kind of the shale revolution where they could drill horizontally and unlock reserves that were previously thought, uh, you know, to be unrecoverable. So, that fueled this massive, massive rush, massive land grab in the Permian Basin, which is which is where Midland is. And uh, a lot of companies were buying up properties and and with massive drilling programs. And so we were able to get ahead of that. And, and the properties that we were buying, uh, you know, went up significantly in value during that time. So So there was certainly a huge timing aspect of it. But the other thing that we did was just relentlessly buy call options on ourselves. And we were not taking money out of the business. We were reinvesting every single dime and, and growing a portfolio for ourselves that also, you know, went up significantly in value during that time. And then, you know, about 2018, you know, started, you know, looking at the, the risk analysis on our portfolio and started realizing that like, hey, it feels like there's more downside than upside running room here, right? And, and now the risk has actually gone from, you know, upside to protecting the downside. And, you know, I always say as an investor, I'd rather take my half out of the middle, right? I'd rather live in between the 20 yard lines and not try and time a bottom and not try and time a top, but, you know, just take, take the good chunk out of the growth. And, um, and we were really fortunate with our timing, you know, I mean, uh, we sold, I guess, in July of 19 and, and the market crashed in, in March of 20 with COVID. Uh, so, you know, we were really fortuitous uh, to have, have timed that market right and, and exited, you know, prior to the top. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. What an accomplishment. So congratulations on that. It's, it's, really, it's really remarkable. I love hearing the story and I'd love to hear a little bit about your work now um, on the coaching side of things. So tell us what you're seeing with the leaders that you're working with right now. You know, I love to recognize any common themes or threads. And before we got on this recording, you know, we were talking a little bit about that identity-based strategy piece. That's how I translate it. Um, you know, I'm convinced that who we are 
you know, as a person, the experiences that we've been through, good and bad, shape us. Um, and sometimes those themes come out in our brands or the work that we do. And so when we're able to find resolve or healing in those issues, right, then we're able to be healthy uh, and fully, I think, operate uh, the way that we're supposed to operate. So I'd love to hear about your take on that and the work that you do with the life and the business strategy. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, my coaching journey really starts, I think, as most people does with a personal journey of discovery. And uh, in 2016, uh, I basically woke up and, and realized that I had done all of the things in my life that I was supposed to do. I, 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 was a, I was a combat veteran. You know, I had started this incredible company and provided my family, you know, a life that, that I could only dream of and, you know, had all of the things and had done all of the things, you know, that society tells us is going to make us happy. And I woke up with, with kind of a giant hole in my soul and realized that, you know, something still was missing. Right. I, I, I had done the things that we're supposed to do to make us happy. And yet, you know, here I was and, and it felt like there was a missing piece of the puzzle. And so that really started me down this kind of personal development rabbit hole. And at the same time, you know, I was I was uh, working with a lot of veterans uh, and, and donating a lot of money, money to uh, charity organizations that serve veterans. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, kind of went down this, this self-discovery journey and, and through a lot of different modalities, uh, including, you know, hiring my own coach and, and going down that route, reading a bunch of personal development books. I got into meditation uh, and, and just really kind of had this transformation and realized that my life had essentially always been externally validated. I was always, mm. you know, comparing myself to others and, and, you know, I, uh, you know, there, there's a tendency, I think, in, in psychotherapy and, and kind of what we do uh, to look at our childhood and then, you know, blame our parents for, for certain things that, that patterned us. And, and it's important to realize that your parents absolutely did the best they could with what they have. And, you know, I grew up with five children in my family and, and my mom was a, was a hard driver and I'm super grateful for that. But it actually created this pattern, you know, the subconscious pattern for me that, achievement equals love, right? Yeah. The, the, the more we achieve, the more love we garner from those around us. And, and that served me really well. It's what allowed me to, to you know, go to, to a really difficult college and, and you know, get into the, the jet program and, you know, perform really well there and then, and then start this company. So it, it served me really well until it didn't, right? Because yeah. if that's your subconscious programming that achievement equals love, and you achieve all the things that you're supposed to, and then you still have this hole in your soul, like what else are you gonna do? And what happens is a lot of people never get off that train. They just try and yes. start a bigger company and, and find more success, and, and they're always chasing this idea. And what I realized you know, through all these various modalities was I had to get right with myself, and I had to love myself regardless of any you know, external achievements. And, yeah. and so that's really what I learned about myself, and that, that journey then allows me to go and take that message to the entrepreneurs that I coach, hmm. right? And so, you know, kind of like what we were talking about, ultimately, you know, I believe there are no business problems. There are only personal problems that show up in business. And, and what a lot of those problems are is subconscious programming 
that affects our decision making in a way that that we're not aware of, right? And so, what I what I talk to uh, my clients about is this kind of personal development cycle, and there's four stages. Uh, the first one is awareness, which is, hey, I'm aware that there's some subconscious programming running here. The next is insight, which is, okay, now I can look at maybe my childhood or some other trauma that occurred in my life and, and see where this pattern might have come from. And a lot of times in this kind of personal development loop, people get stuck in the insight phase. They, they keep diving the rabbit hole, trying to figure out all of these different things that happened in their childhood. What they're missing is step three though, and that's action. Okay, now that I've recognized where this comes from, I've got to start taking some steps to recognize when I'm acting out of uh, trauma response and, you know, either uh, have some sort of exercise or, or do, you know, do some sort of work to change that patterning. And then at that point is where we get to integration, which is where you become at choice with that pattern and recognize that, hey, you know, this is a thing that drives me and now I can recognize it and, and actually not have it drive me out of, out of lack or out of, you know, subconscious programming, but I can choose whether that's a thing that I want to have affect my decision making. That's amazing. I'm sh you guys can't, if you're listening to the podcast and not watching, I'm just shaking my head the whole time because I disagree. <laughs> I agree so much with all of this. And this is my personal journey has been similar. And over the past year, I've had the opportunity to be in a group. I've done a lot of personal work over the years, but to be in uh, this thing called a growth group. And it actually, it's so fascinating. Uh, Jessica Jeans, who hopefully we'll have on this podcast has written this curriculum alongside of actually her mom, uh, who was the founder of Women Revealed. It's an incredible organization. And they talk about woundology and uh, really the core of each wound and how it comes out in different ways. So my woundology is, I think, a little bit similar to yours. I associate achievement with uh, love, which has created tremendous things, right? Um, I'm a driver for sure. I can get things done. I create new things. Like I'm, I'm constantly, you know, moving in that direction. But I think I've had some similar realizations over the past few years um, at what cost, I think. I'm always asking myself, at what cost? Um, and, and I have boundaries in place now because I realize that no matter how much I achieve, it's really not about that. It's about just the fulfillment and the contentment of right where I am here and now um, and being solid in myself and uh, with my family. So it's just been a big adjustment. It's definitely a mindset shift, but there's so much that, and I talk about this too, when you said the subconscious, that was so good because our, we, we've got to move our subconscious to our conscious mind a lot more. If we can, if we can do that every day, I think we would be really different. I think we'd be really aware, like self-aware on the regular, right? But we've got so much that's pushing us down and weighing us down that it's really tough to get to that place. Do you ever find when you're working with leaders that it's tough for them to get to that place? Because it's almost, it's, well, it is creating new patterns. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's our work, right? Is, is recognizing that subconscious and creating new ones. Um, but you know, there, there's there's a lot of techniques uh, that you can use to, to to try and accelerate that self awareness and and you know close that cycle and, and shorten it down, right? Because yeah. I mean, we definitely see you know a uh, I mean there there are certain ways to heal core wounds and and really you know uh, kind of remove those from the programming. But a lot of times 
they're going to just show up in, in different and more subtle ways. And so you've kind of always got to be vigilant and, and have the self-awareness to, to say, and, and you know, the question that, that I use with my clients is real or trauma, right? Where they're, when they're faced with some decision or they're, they're feeling stuck is, is, or, you know, or they're in an argument, go, okay, if 50 people looked at what I'm looking at right now, you know, would 50 of them feel the same way I do? Or would they, you know, would they look at this and be like, Hey, your, your reaction is not consummate with what the actual situation is. Right. And that's, that's, I think a good gauge to determine if we're in trauma or, or trigger response, or, you know, if we're actually, you know, using our, our logical uh, uh, mind to, to look at the situation at hand. So the other piece that I really uh, talk about a lot is internal versus external locus of control. And, uh, you know, basically a lot of us can recognize what an external locus of control is. This would be a victim mindset. Everything is happening to me. The world is against me, you know, and, and, and blaming external factors for everything that happens in your life. Well, that's not typically the affliction of the entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneurs typically have is a much more internal locus of control. And again, this can be really positive, right? Hey, I'm the captain of my own destiny. You know, everything that I do, you know, affects my life and I'm in charge of my own outcomes. The problem is though, is that can become really toxic if taken to too much of an extreme. If, if you shoulder the responsibility for everything that happens in your personal life and in your company, that can actually really uh, create a massive amount of stress. And so here's a perfect example uh, of this happening right now, which is, you know, Apple and Facebook are kind of having this feud and a lot of e-commerce businesses uh, who, you know, depended on Facebook ads for their revenue are seeing a decline in the return on ad spend because, you know, Apple made these changes to their policies. Okay. You know, that is an external event that is affecting a lot of businesses right now. But if, if the, you know, if the leader of that organization is shouldering that and saying, well, what can I do differently and, and blaming themselves, they can actually get in a really dangerous cycle of, of taking something on that's not theirs. Yeah. And especially if their identity is wrapped up in their business. And this is something we see a, a lot, right? I am my business. And, and if my business is doing well, then I'm doing well. If my business is not doing well, now I'm beating myself up, you know, having negative self-talk. Uh, you know, even falling into depression. Uh, and, you know, we have to a start separating ourselves from our business and realize that a business is, is its own entity, it has a life of its own. And there are external and internal things that drive the growth or, or failure of, of a business. Some of those things we can control like our like our, you know, culture and our internal policies, but a lot of those things we can't control, you know, uh, external factors like market timing, you know, in, in the case of, of, of my business or, you know, changes from Apple and Facebook or, you know, whatever it may be. And if you can, if you can offload some of that responsibility and realize it's not your fault and stop beating yourself up and let yourself off the hook, that allows you to make better decisions to then move forward and find other solutions without, without the guilt and the self-loathing that, that typically accompanies, you know, a decline. So good. Yeah, that's so true. What are you seeing as you work with clients on the business strategy side of things? Any threads or themes um, that might be helpful to share, you know, with our listeners, like any um, themes throughout your coaching on that side of things? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, right now, you know, this this external versus locus of control or internal locus of control is, is what I'm seeing most because you know, mm -hmm. especially look if you look at the last year, right? Yeah, there are so many factors that have changed business, you know, perhaps forever, but at least for the medium term uh, related to COVID and, and everything that we've been dealing with. And, you know, uh, one thing that we don't recognize often is, is how this pandemic has actually affected mental health, right? And Literally. this has been hard, right? Yeah. And the first thing that, that everyone, you know, has to admit to themselves is like, hey, life has changed drastically since March of 2020. Yeah. And there, you know, whether you're, you know, hardcore quarantining and, and, you know, really following all the procedures in place, or you're less considerate of the virus, it doesn't really matter. There's still a lot of hardship that's been generated. And we see a lot of hardship in business. There's a lot of headwinds happening, you know, changing buying patterns and, and just a lot of different things that affect business. And so giving yourself grace and, and being easy on yourself in the face of the fact that, you know, it's been a difficult year. And you don't actually realize how much mental capacity is taken up by just the new changes, logistical changes in life. Uh, you know, having to consider, you know, how many people are gathering at a place and, and wearing masks and, and the different things that we used to do for fun, maybe that we can't do anymore, like going out to a bar or whatever it is. All of that takes up some sort of mental load and decreases capacity for other, you know, for other things. And so just, first of all, being easy on ourselves and, and recognizing that, that, this is really difficult and, you know, pat yourself on the back and, and, you know, no matter, uh, even if you think you're not struggling, there are certain things that are affecting your life right now and, and be easy on yourself about that and give yourself grace. So that's, that's a, a thing, you know, a, a definitely something that I see, uh, happening right now a lot is, is people being really hard on themselves for things they can't control. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest theme that, that I've, you know, encountered just over and over right now. Yeah, that's so good. And it's so true. I've, I've said, I've said this to a few friends. Um, I think that I'm not sure that as a whole, we've recognized that we all to a certain extent have been in trauma for the last year. It sounds extreme to say that out loud, but, but it's true. You know, I think about it and everything that we thought was has been altered this past year, you know, in, in one way or another. <laughs> So I think just that recognition is really huge and permission to give ourselves grace. So, so good. And, 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 you know, that, that, uh, that word trauma is really triggering in itself for a lot of people, because when they hear trauma, they think, you know, uh, sexual abuse or physical abuse or, or something that's really horrible that's happened to people. But the way I de define trauma is actually just any event that creates a subconscious program. Right. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, if, if I say, Hey, this, this subconscious program of achievement equals love is trauma that, that might make some people be like, Oh, wow. That, that sounds like you're really overblowing what happened to you as a kid. It sounds like you had a really great parent. I did have a really great parent. Right. right? And <clears throat> it created this, this subconscious loop around this particular idea. Yeah. That's what trauma is. Right. And, and it's not the trauma Olympics. We don't, what we often do is we don't give credit to our own traumas because we always compare ourselves to someone else okay. and go, well, yeah, but I didn't have it as bad as that person. So who, who am I to yes. you know, recognize my own pain? And the thing is pain, pain isn't relative, right? Yes. You know, people with, with history of abuse in their life do have to deal with a lot of pain, yeah. but people who didn't have abuse in their life 
still have their own pain and it feels equal to them and their subconscious. Absolutely. Right? And, so, and so, you know, uh, uh, minimizing our own pain by comparing our trauma to that of others is, is really one of the, the nastiest patterns that we can fall into because everyone has some sort of pain in their life and recognizing what yours is, whether it's that your dog died and that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you, yeah. that still feels like, like something that's really, you know, important and, and we can't, you know, compare ourselves to, to the trauma of other people. Yes, that's so good. We talk a lot about comparison in the masterclass and the life strategy portion of it. And then one thing that's really been top of mind for me too is like seeing, hearing, and knowing people where they are and in that pain, you know? So I think I do this on a daily basis. I can discount others. Oh man, well, I've, I'm doing this or, you know, I'm doing that or that, you know, they don't really see, but I think I've, I've slowed down a lot this year to say, no, the priority is seeing and knowing and hearing people right where they are. And to them, it feels um, just as bad or equal or good or whatever they're feeling, right? And so it's just, it's just recognizing that, I think. And I've also thought about this from just a business perspective. Like, what if we did this with our clients and the people that we serve first? Like, how would things change? You know, how would our perspective change and our mindsets change? So it's just kind of been a theme for me uh, throughout, I guess, the past couple of years. So it's been. Yeah, cool. I love it. It's, I mean, it's, it's super important, right? I mean, that, that, that uh, the idea that comparison is the thief of joy is, is actually is really true, right? And that's, yeah. you know, we, again, we see this in this, this uh, externally validated achievement equals love pattern uh, yeah. that you know, you're always, if you're always benchmarking against what other people are doing, there's no room for self-love and acceptance in that equation. Yeah, so true. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I, there's just so much wisdom in here. I can't wait to even go back and listen to it. So I just really, really appreciate you. Also for our listeners, catch Mike on the blog because he's on the lineup. So he contributes quarterly, which we're so thankful to have. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always appreciate it. It's great catching up.